Welcome, members, visitors, and friends. So happy to have you to join us for this podcast, And the Church Said, where we discuss issues and insights on how the body and the members can interact in ways that promote spiritual, mental, emotional, and relational well-being. I am Dr. Monique Smith-Gadson, your host for this podcast. I am also a licensed clinician. However, this podcast is not intended to serve as therapy. We encourage you to engage in your own personal counsel. So come on in because the doors are open and take a seat on any pew you choose. We hope your time here will leave you declaring a hearty and a resounding amen. Well, hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. And happy Advent 2023. Today marks the first day of Advent. And so Advent is the time of the year when we remember and celebrate the arrival of Jesus on earth and to gaze toward the future as we await his second coming. So during this time of Advent, we usually focus on four things typically recognized on the four Sundays prior to Christmas. And Advent uh, begins the very first Sunday in December, and it ends on December the 24th, which is Christmas Eve. Now, the four things of Advent are hope, peace, joy, and love. Hope, peace, joy, and love. And today, we're going to focus on the theme of hope specifically the person of hope, the one on whom we will focus during this time of Advent, the Lord, our, the Lord, our Savior, right? Jesus the Christ. So I am going to use Isaiah um, chapter 9, verse 6 as our focal verse to frame our conversation, very brief conversation on today. Isaiah 9, 6 reads, For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. So in the days when Isaiah had issued this prophecy that I just read in Isaiah 9, 6, the times were very dark and very gloomy. The land was distressed. And that sounds eerily similar to the times that we find ourselves in now. Um, our land is distressed on their dark days. Um, it's gloominess that hangs over the, the land and over many individuals. We're in a time where there are wars that are taking place and rumors of wars, fears of wars. Um inflation, uh, there's still, you know, pestilence in the land. It, there's just a lot that is going on. Um, the relationships are still strained. There's still a lot of polarization. Uh, we're inching closer to a political year. It's just a lot that is going on. So it's just really interesting to me how the times now are even paralleling the times at this time when Isaiah um, offered this particular prophecy. But thousands of years ago, those who heard the prophets of old tell of a Savior who was to be born found themselves hoping 
in that prophecy to one day come to pass. And then one day, Jesus was born. And that's what we are preparing to celebrate, the birth of our Savior. So the same hope they had, we can have also because the prophecy has been fulfilled. We know that the prophecy has come to pass. And so we can take that hope that they had, some people saw, um, lived to see the prophecy fulfilled, some didn't. But we can take that hope that they had and we hope in the person of hope. We can believe and trust that Jesus is coming again. So Jesus uh, was the, the one that was to be born as a babe. And he was going to come and he would be, as it says, the government will be on his shoulders and he will be the wonderful counselor. He will be mighty God. He will be the eternal father. He will be the prince of peace. The people who sought these things can put the hope in what was to come or who was to come. And so now that he has come, he is Emmanuel, he is with us. So we have the one whose the government is upon his shoulders. We have the wonderful counsel. We have the mighty God, the eternal father, the prince of peace. So that hope has been fulfilled, if you will, in the person in whom we put our hope. Child, he is with us. So I like to think um, Dr. Kirk Thompson, who is a psychiatrist, talks about hope being a formational process. And I agree with that. I, I would have never thought to put it in those words, but after listening to him kind of describe hope as a formational process, I'm thinking, yeah, that's the way I have tried to encourage people to consider hope. I'm going to read to you just an excerpt of what I wrote in the book, Finding Hope in a Dark Place. I co-authored this book with Dr. Clarence Schuler. So I'm going to just read an excerpt from that particular book um, or from this particular book on what I had to say in terms of hope. Um, let's see here, where do I want to start? Okay, I have often said to numerous clients over the years, I find hope in the fact that they scheduled a session, waited until the appointed time of the session, gave voice to those hard to explain feelings and went home with nothing more than the conversation shared. And there have been times when that was enough, enough to go to bed that night, to wake the next day, to determine what, what might be the next thing other than um, suicide to do. You have a choice. And sometimes, little by little, one step at a time, rays of hope shine upon them. It might not mean all is right in the world as they desire. It might not mean that the threat is gone. It just means they try to do the next thing. And when they find what helps them through the moment, until the tornadic and stormy time has passed by, they are more likely to do those things again. Life truly is lived as a journey that we take one step at a time. Sometimes those steps are light and bouncy, 
Other times we may feel centered in cemented, I'm sorry, in place, like we do not want to go on. So that was an excerpt. Um, it was in a chapter. And the reason I mentioned the word suicide is that it, it was in a chapter um, talking about hope for those who were considering or had considered death by suicide. So just wanted to uh, kind of clarify like, wow, why did that word, that word come from? So it was within a chapter. But again, that that's me explaining in my words that I wrote again in this book, Finding Hope in a Dark Place with Dr. Clarence Schuler, how I also saw hope as a formational process as Dr. Kirk Thompson does. So that's where I was going with that. Um, it's a formational process. And you know, I have also been talking about what does it mean for us to be witnesses of the church for Jesus. And so I'm also thinking like during this time of Advent, how can we, the members and the disciples of Jesus, witness hope to others? Hope is um, not only an, an important element in our spiritual lives, but it's also very important in our mental, emotional, and relational health also. Because there are many who are despondent and distressed and depressed and, and distraught. And they are without hope. And it, it very well may be you. It's been me. I've been without hope um, numerous times and throughout my life. Hope requires a future focus and a future perspective. And sometimes people cannot get there. I so often say to my students, how do you offer hope to someone who has no hope? And how do you offer hope to someone whose circumstances will not improve? Because sometimes that is the case. Their circumstances can be so bleak. It is as a thick fog with very low visibility. Like there is nothing, nothing that can be seen. So we're asking them to kind of cast some kind of future vision, you know, like, what do you want for your life in 10 years or 10 days? Ah, some people can't get there. They can't get beyond the very despondent moment that they are finding themselves in at the current time. Some people can barely find hope for the next minute. So they might have a hard time trying to hope in the person of hope. The person who came to be this light to kind of penetrate that thick fog, it may be hard for them to kind of wrap themselves in hope in a person. And so I believe to be the effective witness. What does it mean for us to be an effective witness for Jesus, okay? We have to tolerate our own anxieties. And again, I talk about this quite frequently. The intrapersonal relationship is where we have to start. We have to be able to tolerate our anxieties. We have to be able to acknowledge and recognize that sometimes we are down and sometimes we are despondent. Sometimes we are without hope. It does not mean we have any less faith in the person of Jesus Christ. It just means there's, there are dark times, difficult times that we are going to experience. Many are the afflictions, right, of the righteous. 
So we have to be willing to acknowledge that within ourselves so that we can tolerate our anxieties and be able to come alongside another person to help them deal with what is causing them to be without hope. We need to make sure that our desire is to point them to the Savior and not try to be their Savior. That's what we need to kind of work in ourselves. That's the work of the members. When If, if we need to be effective and equipped witnesses, then this is part of the work that we have to do to be equipped to recognize we need to point to the Savior and not try to be the Savior. And I think that a way that we can do that is coming alongside a person to acknowledge like how hard and difficult their circumstances really are, like how hard life is, how unfair life is, um, how depressing the world is. Yeah, how those those systemic factors are working against you, how scary things can be, how anxious we do feel inside our bodies, we have to be able to come alongside a person and acknowledge that in a person. In that moment, it may be enough to cultivate what I refer to as that next moment in a person. Kind of what I was reading to you again about in the uh, the excerpt from the book. How can we cultivate a next moment? See, we want them to feel seen and we want them to feel heard. We are not trying to get a person to a destination here in the in this westernized outcome based world that we live in, that's what we focus. We focus on the outcome. You know, it's like, we got to get them out of bed and we got to get them happy and we got to get them this. We, no, how about we just try to cultivate a next moment? If we can uh, attempt to help a person to feel seen and heard, something can change within them it doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be like the fireworks. I mean, it just may be just enough, even in their bodies that they feel like, huh, that felt different because this person actually took time to listen to me and to reflect to me and not um, reflect to me what I am feeling and not to dismiss my feelings. So instead of being focused on that outcome, we are focused on the person. And it could be that it is the person of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit that is working with us and in us and through us in those moments. Because as I've mentioned before, we have to discern. This is where we have to wait on the power of the Holy Spirit to determine, do we need to explicitly minister Jesus or do we embody him? And then do we do what Jesus would do and what Jesus does? Because all we're trying to get at is we just want a person to feel something differently. Again, cultivating that next moment. Something differently than what they have been feeling overall. It's just a glimmer. 
It's just the that that ray of sun that is barely penetrating through that dark cloud. We are not trying to make it all better. We're not trying to solve the world's problems. Got to stop focusing on that being our outcome. We just want to cultivate a next moment. So during this week, I challenge you to determine how might you witness hope to another? How can you come alongside another in their despair? How can you suppress the urge to attempt to make them feel better? But I challenge you to just make a person feel seen and to make a person know or feel heard rather, or even for yourself. When have there been times when you could say, even for that small moment, you felt something? Like, it could be like, here we go again. You know, I know this person isn't going to get me or this is going to turn out the way it always does. But in that one second in time, something was different. It it was a a slight bit of relief. It might have been just a a turning up of the lip, just enough of a smile that if anybody looked at you, they wouldn't see it, but your body is recording it as a smile. Maybe like an aha moment. Like what was said to you? What did you see? What did you experience? What did you hear? And can you do that again? Just little by little. That's my challenge for you. If we are needing to do some intrapersonal work, the equipping so that we can be the effective witness. So the week, this week is just it's just a challenge as we focus on the theme of hope. How can we offer hope to another person by not focusing on an outcome, but we're focusing on the person? Either we are explicitly telling them about the person of Jesus, or we're embodying Jesus and we are doing what He does, or we are in the work of being equipped. How do we equip ourselves? to have hope, to experience hope, to believe in hope and to look for hope, even in the person of Jesus. Remembering those moments and doing them again, little by little. So I didn't want to inundate you with tons of information. I just wanted to give you a very simple and practical task that you can repeat because I just want you to do it again and again and again. Focusing on as we are now in the season of Advent, as we are focusing our minds on the person of Jesus Christ and anticipating the second coming. He's come once and he is coming again. So you have heard my my call. Focus on hope. What will be your response? And the church singing.